Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we try and find you fascinating people inside and outside the world of HR. We're at the HR Tech Conference 2023, and we have with us Al Adamson from the PAFOW. People analysts from future work. And you know, what's amazing is, is that there's always a future. So there's always going to be a PAFOW, right? That's why we named it. We did. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. You're thinking about the future all the time. Yeah. Al, what's going on with Al Adamson? Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, number one, people analytics historically has been, yes, very important. And yeah. people are saying, oh, you're going back 20 years, HR metrics reporting are right. top one, two, three priorities of an organization. And now you look at the floor, like data is embedded in all Everything. these, analytics is embedded in all things. And yeah. now obviously AI is leveraging a lot of that quantitative data, but also through large language models, right. we're in a different place. And that's all affecting work itself, the very nature of how right. work's getting done. And we have data and analytics to actually shed light on how that's affecting the human experience at work. So really, this isn't as much of the HR technology conference anymore as to how is work going to get done conference. I want that conversation to happen actually more than it is. And I agree with you. I, from a practitioner standpoint, particularly with AI, I would love to see work strategies formulated. In other words, yes. an organization has the responsibility and opportunity to get work done to achieve certain outcomes. We're right. developing a product or service. How is that work going to get done with human beings, employees, contractors, outsource or, providers, right. robotic automation, exactly. AI? So right. there's, you know, that ecosystem, the governance and decision-making processes within most organizations aren't there yet. But is that starting from workforce planning or is that coming from a completely different place? Well, you know, workforce planning has baggage. And so... Right, but know, that's why I said it that way because yeah. workforce planning has kind of been... No offense to people in workforce planning, but it's kind of been the bastard stepchild of all of this HR technology as right. well, right? Yeah, absolutely, 100% agreed. And it, it historically, it's been from a financial orientation. Exactly. And here, it, skills are all over the place. So yes. skills-based workforce planning, skills-based organization, all wonderful. Right. But it needs to be put into a larger conversation, right. which... Again, and I say this compassionately, the operating models within organizations aren't there no, yet. And so there's not. a lot of room for creativity. If you're a CHRO, it's not like, oh, I'm going to buy a skills-based solution, everything with an AI-based solution, everything's going to work out. Right. How do you fit it into a larger ecosystem? But, but that comment you just made, though, it's not a CHRO's call about how the work gets done. Correct. So who the hell are they talking to? Are they talking to the CFO? Does the CFO really have to come here? Does this really become kind of like the executive conference where you're bringing the CIO, the CFO, and the CHRO to talk about as they look around here, they're getting ideas about how work gets done? If you're listening, you can't see me, but I got a big smile on my face because <laughs> he does. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been driving this home. Maybe we talked about it last year, this notion right. of governance. Yes. It's not a 
you know, wonderful topic. It doesn't make people warm and fuzzy, but bringing these formerly disparate functions together to right. think about work, the right. future of work in my organization, and make conscious trade-offs, iterate on those trade-offs as the external environment uh, shifts. Yes. So I'm t saying that we're not only in the age of AI, we're in the age of perpetual disruption. Yes. So are you building an organization that's going to be agile and responsive to these ongoing changes, not only to market conditions, but to the talent markets? When we were in the early 90s, companies were making the decision, who should I invest in to get a computer? And I went to interview at an automobile manufacturer from Europe, and they said, hey, you're going to be working in this cubicle, and the computer for the department sits next to you, so if you have to use it, it's right there. And I said to them, wait a minute. What do you mean, why don't I get one? Why doesn't everybody have one? Because HR wasn't in control of how they worked. You had to go to the CIO or the chief technology officer, whomever it was, to get that. And to your point of it's constantly being redefined, we're not, as organizations, keeping up with yeah. the pace of change, not just in technology, but in the world. Yeah. We're not keeping up with it. And it's overwhelming us now. We're getting legislation that's being put on chat GBT and those people don't even understand they might be able to spell it. They may think it's something strange and wonderful, but they don't even fundamentally understand it. So Al, how do we bring this back to being, whether it's an HR or a business oriented, forget about whether this conference belongs in, in a different context. How do we bring these decisions back so HR can actually help it? I view HR ultimately as a facilitator. And meaning, when you talk about designing work, in that example of yes. bringing the computer, like whose decision you said, IT brought this in. And so that was a almost like a centralized decision. We're gonna yes. put this out and right. people are gonna use it for this purpose. Right. And did the employees ask for it? Well. You know, Probably did we not. ask for iPhones? Or, right. and, is there, <laughs> right. There's room for discontinuous innovation in this. Right. But ultimately, the work is getting designed and executed at lower, lower levels of the organization. Maybe I shouldn't use the term lower, but at the place where the work is actually get done. Exactly. And all the way down to the individual level. Right. So are we giving agency? Are we empowering people and teams to actually make conscious decisions and resourcing them accordingly? Right. I think when we do that at scale, then it invites the question, how do we measure it? How do we know the skills are being developed in accordance with the overarching strategy in our organization? Right. Those underlying processes and the human beings that are are going to make those decisions, conscious trade-offs, you know, those, I'd say 98% of organizations aren't there yet. But the governance happens on an individual by individual basis today. Yes. Based on David uses his iPhone for work, there's no BYOD strategy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so David signed up his exchange on his phone to Outlook and he can do email remotely. I mean, this was years ago, obviously. And, you know, I talked to the person I work with and they said, well, I don't have it on my phone. By the way, that's an ancient statement. Yeah. But, but that's what happened. Work started overwhelming because of the consumerism and consumer-based technologies. And then we started introducing them into work. And it was basically a ask for forgiveness. Are you basically saying because of the lack of governance, either teams or people are making these decisions and then the organization has to make a decision whether or not they're going to adopt it. Yes, and I'll frame it in this way. Continuous work strategy in the age of perpetual disruption. Wow. 
So if I put those words together and think about it, okay, I'm acknowledging that we're in this age of perpetual disruption. I need to continually think about how work is going to get done. Am I going to resource the individuals and teams to make those decisions? And when they actually make those decisions, how am I going to know if they're efficient and effective and aligned with the organizational strategies? That is a very, I was about to say systematic, and Josh is putting systemic HR. And I'm starting to appreciate the distinction, but thinking about how all these dots connect. And again, when I say, 98% 98% of organizations aren't there yet. I don't say that as a criticism. I right. say that there's massive opportunity Absolutely. to improve how we do things. If we start introducing something disruptive like artificial intelligence into things, it may start out small, like someone using ChatGPT to produce a report or research, or a developer uses ChatGPT to write code, and then that snowballs. Those are things where, the again, the technology is coming in from the people up but the governance on it, like if you ask the lawyers, hey, they're using this, do we have the right to use this? Do we need to get the copyrights? Do we need to get, you know, and then all the legality comes in. How are we then, how are we gonna clean this up? Because it's happening today. Oh, it's happening today. And there's liability all over the place, potentially exactly. both currently and in the future. And that's where solutions like holistic AI and fairnow.ai that effectively audit the algorithms across an enterprise are going to be massively valuable moving forward. Let me comment on that real quick, because there's an underlying assumption that AI is going to make people more efficient and effective. And that almost assumes that the work is static. There's a fixed amount of work, but there's always more work to be done. And what I'm concerned about is that leaders are going to say, well, AI is there. We're going to have greater efficiencies. And thus, I'm going to need less people. Exactly. And now what happens to the employee experience? How are people thinking and feeling about their work? And are they lacking confidence? Are they compromising trust? It's like, okay, am I going to lose my job? Or is my job going to change drastically so much that the skills that are needed for that job are not going to be aligned with not only who I am currently, but where I want to go professionally. So being really thoughtful about the human experience at work, are you developing people in the age of AI appropriately? Are you instilling confidence that they're going to be around as they're valued? That's really what I'm concerned. I see a lot of, like the hiring numbers are still good. Mm Mm-hmm. However, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of layoffs happening. Yes. And so, what, you know, so there's more transaction at the employment level and that's causing anxiety among workers. So how do we solve for that socially? Ultimately, in my view, it's an organizational challenge slash opportunity. Right. But if I can elevate confidence among my worker base, a high value talent in particular, then I'm going to have a hard, I'm going to have a unique, hard to replicate competitive advantage over time. But the confidence comes from competence. Correct. And so in order to develop that competence, then training needs to be incurred, the cost needs to be incurred, and then also the redevelopment of the responsibilities and the expectations. Just adding AI, I think this was your point, just adding AI doesn't make someone better. Correct. It changes their job. Correct. It changes the expectation of their job. And so you need to redefine their description, you need to reallocate skills to them, and this is one point I'm making in an upcoming book I'm writing, HR Data Duels 3, 3D. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I'm actually it's doing this. It's a fantastic title. But, but um, I'm actually building in the concept that when we actually implement AI, we actually should treat it as a resource. Give it a job title. Actually allocate resources to it appropriately so that people around it understand the goals 
understand the expectations of the AI or whatever type of AI you're bringing in, and then be able to train people around it, not just to take advantage of it, but for it to be able to take advantage of people. Yeah. Bring those unique skills so the AI can utilize them, can ask the right questions, and we then get trained on asking the AI the right questions in order to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I love the way you put that together because that's absolutely spot on. And one thing I'll say, because I, I want to be sensitive to this notion that AI is, can be esoteric, it can be confusing, yet it's something that we all have to respond to in one form or another right. in our own jobs and obviously systematically across an organization. I see AI getting commoditized very quickly, meaning it's going to be part of how we do business. The idea of buying an AI solution here and there, like everyone's going to have AI. Absolutely. You know, so it's just, it's part of how we're going to deal with it. What I get, how should I say, I don't want to say concerned, but I get hopeful, I get excited, is that if we're smart about the application of it, we can in fact be more efficient and effective. Yeah. I just don't know that we've created the space to actually think about it. And this is where yeah. it go, goes back to, again, this notion of continuous work strategy and whose responsibility is it? Right. Because you mentioned performance management, and you know, I think OKRs, I think, yeah. okay, am I leveraging AI to achieve the outcomes? And there's a study by BCG where AI was actually most beneficial to the low performers. They actually brought it, and the uh, analogous is, okay, if someone's farming with a, you know, hoe, and the, the bigger, stronger, you know, person is going to be more efficient than right. the, the weaker person, but the tractor was a level exactly. setter. Exactly. You know, and that's what's happening with AI. Right. And so, if I can consciously apply it, you know, good things are happening. If I'm unconsciously applying it, it's going to be over, overly disruptive, sure. and it's going to disengage the workforce. So, we got to be really thoughtful about it. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. That's where the programmatic approach you were talking about before, the conscious approach, the one where there are leaders in it who are saying, this is how we employ it, then has that ability to do that. Whereas the, hey, I'm going to use ChatGPT to create this report and you know my boss won't know. Yeah. That's the disruptor that's the bad one, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I mean, we have to be disciplined in the application of it. And I'm using that word more and more. And not only accountability, but because, you know, we both live in the world of data and we, we have for some time. And now the ability to measure and manage how people are impacted, not only at scale, but down to the individual and team level is gonna be really, really important moving forward. So if Absolutely. I do not have a measurement strategy and able to iterate as we go, there's gonna be, again, risk all over the place. But if we're good at it, if we're thoughtful about it, and we have the governance model in place, and we're able to iterate at scale, at speed, and in sustainable ways, then, I mean, great things can happen. I just don't see that being commonplace in most organizations yet. Do you see any example, and you don't have to name names, but do you see examples of organizations and even industries where they've done the measurement up front, they're now doing the test to actually employ, and I use that word carefully, employ AI, and then be able to test the result? Is anybody doing that experiment today to say- N NVIDIA. Oh, really? 
I think they're the best in the world at it, based on my knowledge. And I, I, I don't work with NVIDIA, full disclosure, but I know about them operationally just because of relations that I have, okay. both personal and professional. And I have these conversations, I'm like, wow, you know, you're really thoughtful about work down to the task level, how skills are applied to achieve those tasks, and leveraging AI and automation to not only visualize the work and see what work needs to get, but prioritize it and in turn allocate it, respecting the intentions of the worker in addition to their skills. But have, yeah. we, have they done though, I'm sorry to interrupt, have they done the investment to measure before and after to see what, whether it's productivity gains or the changes are in work? Uh, again, I don't want to speak out of turn, but yes. Yeah, I, oh, I, that's I, just cool. Yeah, I, and again, I, I don't want to go too, too deep in it because sure, I don't want sure, to compromise. Sure. Uh, because I think it's important that like w leading practice companies like NVIDIA, yeah. that the world investigates what they're doing. I mean, they're right. an AI company that leverages AI, and how are they able sure. to do this at scale, at speed, in a sustainable way? So I would be investigating those companies. Obviously, they're in tech, so yes. you know, if I'm in a different industry, then I might, well, that's... Well, but there that's are lessons tech. that can be learned. 100%. Even if you're a food manufacturer and you're looking at NVIDIA and you're going, wow, Jeez, do they make technologies that make everybody work more efficient? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's about achieving a certain outcome, right. you know, whether it yeah. be a service or a product. Right. There's humans doing that work. Right. It has to be done, and there has to be visibility and accountability. And right. that, to your point around measurement, yeah. you're not going to know if stuff is not only getting done, but if it's going towards getting done. Right. You know, it's progressing towards that end. Right. And, you know, we can talk about performance management, OKRs and, and scrums and all right, that. Right, right, right. But now with AI, a lot of that can be surfaced. And yeah. now I'm not going to go into the ethics of some of these be behavioral data that can be captured. Right. But at the same time, it's there. And we might have a response. Well, I, I would say we do have a responsibility yes. to look at the data that we are, in fact, collecting and take appropriate action. And that could right. affect not only productivity, affect belonging, inclusion, and other Absolutely. outcomes like that. Now, one of the things that might stand away in all of this happening is employees actually have rights to not be measured. Correct. And there are, whether it's GDPR or other regulations and rules in effect that say, that's great, I'm glad you're doing this for the company, I'm glad you're seeing that my benefits are being utilized. However, forget me. Does that affect our ability to be able to change the way in which we work with AI and without AI? But does that change the way we work? Because one of the things I'm contemplating is that conversation about measuring before and after, it's not really perfect if I don't have all my employees in it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great question. Uh, definitely to be determined. You know, I have my thoughts and ideas on where we're headed, but it relates to my last comment is yeah. if individuals who are authorizing the sharing and consumption of their data benefit from that process, yeah. then the propensity is much higher to engage in that process. Historically, what many organizations have done, oh, grabbing that data, number one, I do not know if that's, that's actually happening. Right. It's, you know, page 18 of some document I signed, you know, when yeah. I first joined. Right. Right. And so- I've given up those rights already. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've given up that. So, if, however, I can not only see how it's being used strategically, you know, because I, I don't want it to be used to, okay, my, I'm going to get laid off next week right. because this data was shared. Right. But if I see it's actually 
empowering me to do my work right. and perform better, if it's actually helping me be more employable, if it's helping me create a safer place psychologically and otherwise in the right. workplace, right. then I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see this data actually, I understand why it's happening, not only strategically, but for me as a human being at work. I, I think there are people who have tin hats on though, who are kind of concerned about what we know about them. Yeah. And I think that's where maybe some of this privacy stuff has come up. Yeah, and that goes, that's a communications challenge, that's yeah. an you know, ethics challenge, and that needs, that goes back to our governance. You know, yeah. who's involved in making these decisions? And it's not the CHRO, it's not the head of IT, it's not even the head of data privacy. It's a collective decision that, okay, yeah, there's these legal constraints, certainly, right. but there's these ethical, what kind of um, organization do we want to be? Do we, right. if we're doing this, is it compromising trust? And then if it compromises trust, you know, I would advocate you don't do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but if there's an enhancer where it's actually empowering me right. as a worker, then yeah, let's give it a go. Hey, are you listening to this and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I could talk to David about this? Well, you're in luck. We have a special offer for listeners of the HR Data Labs podcast, a free half hour call with me about any of the topics we cover on the podcast or whatever is on your mind. Go to salary.com forward slash HRDL consulting to schedule your free 30 minute call today. Is there any issue that's come up lately that you may have heard here at the conference or something that's come up that gives you pause for concern about the future of work and about automation coming in and the use of technology? Uh, so great energy here as always i mean this is but this is a different stage of development i think for hr tech in general you know we're having more systemic <laughs> systematic conversations about how the dots right. are connected you know, right, and skills right. and generative ai are leading the charge and of course as we just discussed it's impacting work what i'm really concerned about and again i'm going to try and be uh careful with my language, the business readiness to adopt many of the solutions right. just isn't there yet. Right. And that's where I go back to this notion that there needs to be a lot of creativity, courage to create the processes within an organization that are appropriate for this point in time. Not just taking what you're used to, right. you know, over the past 30 years, you know, okay, we're going to do it this way. Right. So yeah, anyway, that, if there's an embracing of that, I think there's room for this tech and it's gonna benefit the employees, it's gonna benefit the org. Right. But if you try and go and like buy this tech and okay, here's the Just value proposition and yeah. try and slab it in and not appreciating the broader ecosystem, not only of HR tech, but of work tech and yeah. bringing in yeah. IT, yeah. Right. Then, then there's gonna be a miss. So you, great opportunity. You know I always talk about data, data readiness when you're trying to yeah. implement any of this crap. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't mean crap. I mean, it's all great stuff. But, <laughs> yes. but it actually becomes crap if you're putting it on top of data that's just totally bad. And it can be counterproductive if, yeah. if you don't take a, exactly. a data-centric orientation because all these tools generate data. They collect and analyze as well. Right. But you know, right. we have to have a data strategy, certainly. And you've been trumpeting that for Many a couple years. decades now. <laughs> Al, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, David, so much thank fun. you for having me. It's My pleasure. True pleasure. Yeah, and thank you so much for being on the program again. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.